Hi, folks. Okay, so it's been another week, and I missed talking to myself, so here I am, back in the studio. So I've been working, as usual, on my honest theses. Suffice to say, didn't really make the eight hours a day, but it's okay. I made some progress. I finally submitted my IRB, as I was talking about, the, the one I was talking about the last episode. It's yet to be approved, but hopefully it come back to me in about a week's time. And so I've been working on my literature review as well as fine-tuning, kind of being more specific about my research procedure. And I was reminded by my supervisor and frankly by the overwhelming amount of new information that I've been reading that I have not facilitated an actual workshop before. So that's going to take an awful lot of preparation to be able to do that, which I'm doing now. But let me just get started on what I've been reading up on. So as I've previously mentioned, I will be doing I will be using applied theater and short films to promote mental health help seeking behavior. I realized um, editing my last episode that I need to stick close to the microphone and stop leaning backwards because some words were faded. So bear with me if I forget. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm hoping to promote help seeking behavior, mental health help seeking behavior. And obviously you'd be wondering how on earth do you define or measure help seeking, right? Which was the question that was brought up to me by my supervisor the last meeting we had. So I went ahead, searched up the library, looked at the different measurements people used. A lot of them are questionnaires where you, you give the participant a questionnaire, there are a bunch of questions, they're supposed to fill it up, right? And so naturally, what the biggest distinction between these questionnaires are is other questions, right? And the focus of the questions, what they're trying to find out. So I think it's imperative that as me, as a researcher, choose a measure, choose a questionnaire that will give me the answers I need for my research, for my hypotheses. So I've been looking at the different measurements. I found at least seven different measurements people use. I'll give you the names one by one. Let me just start with the, the first one, which is the Proactive Coping Inventory, or the PCI for short. Right? So it measures it separates rather it works on the assumption that help-seeking behavior is separated into two components the first being your problem-focused coping mechanism and the second being your emotion-focused co coping mechanisms so the problem-focused part is basically your efforts that are aimed at altering the environment and managing the source of stress so it's more about the external environment. For instance, if I have too many assignments to do, I'm feeling very stressed out. One thing I could do possibly is to maybe email my professor asking her to extend the deadline, right? That would be managing the source of stress. Or it could be asking for help from my friends, practical help, right? I mean, not advisable, but some people ask for answers. Please don't. That is problem-focused coping behavior, right? And the second one would be emotion-focused coping behavior would basically be regulating your own emotional responses. So instead of, maybe personally for myself, instead of just giving up entirely or just procrastinating, trying to avoid the work that I need to do, maybe look at the work, break it down into bite-sized milestones. So for instance, I'm writing my, my, my thesis now, right? And, you know, I keep saying I need to do eight hours a day, but you don't necessarily have to sit there for eight hours 
straight, right? You could break it down, right? Go two hours, go for a jog, maybe go for lunch, take another two hours, watch, I don't know, maybe a Netflix episode, and then complete the others, the other two hours, and in, in, in segments of the day, right? But that is ov- obviously considering you have the whole day for that. Otherwise, people just do eight hours straight. So going back to the point. Emotion focus is basically regulating your own emotional responses. Maybe perhaps being mindful of the way you think. I mean, as people always say, look for the silver lining. Sometimes it can be hard to find. Sometimes it doesn't exist. I don't know. But just looking at the way you think. The way you talk to yourself, I suppose. Sometimes I stare at my screen with the cursor blinking at me and I just don't know what to type or say. right? And I, in that moment, feel very inadequate sometimes feel like I'm not good enough to do this topic to even research about it and there's always that like imposter syndrome right that people think oh my gosh you're doing a thesis you must know what you're doing but I really sometimes feel like I don't even as I'm talking right now it feels like I'm going nowhere so there are moments like that that you need to take care of just constantly remind yourself to be kind to yourself I suppose yeah, so these, those are the two components of the coping inventory. And there are, I think it's, a, yeah, it's, there are seven scales with 55 items, basically 55 questions and seven se- segments. And the seven segments are, number one, the proactive coping scale, right? So it looks at, there are 14 questions asking you basically how you set your goals. Are you able to regulate your, your yourself, your actions, your decisions, your behavior, and how you get to your goals? 14 questions. And the second segment is your reflective coping scale, right? It has 11 questions asking if you are aware of the gap and the difference between what you imagine something to be and what it actually is, especially when it comes to your goals. It also includes your brainstorming activity, how you analyze problems and resources, and how you generate hypothetical plans for action. That is your reflective coping scale. And the third one is your strategic planning. It has four questions, and it looks at how you generate a schedule of action to reach your goal, goals, and whether or not you're able to break down your tasks and manage the different components. That is your strategic planning. The fourth is your preventive coping. It has 10 questions. It looks at whether or not you're able to anticipate potential stresses and how you prepare before those stresses strikes right that is your preventive coping and your fifth is the instrumental support seeking now on my notebook i highlighted this because it seems to be what i i want to find out from my own participants basically what it tries to gather is how the participant is able to obtain advice, information and feedback from people in their own social network when dealing with stresses. This is the instrumental support seeking. I think of this as a more practical solving of the problem, right? And that is the fifth segment, instrumental support seeking. And the sixth one is also something I highlighted for myself. It's emotional support seeking with five questions, trying to find out if you're able to disclose to others your own feelings, whether or not you're able to evoke empathy and seek companionship from your own social network. Now, I think of this one as more of a, you know, emotional way of solving your problems. Obviously, I, I believe that, you know, we often require both. It's not either or, right? Some problems you you need to for instance, financial problems that may be causing you distress, right? Um, you need to have both somebody to talk to you about the distress that you're feeling, but at the same time, find ways to alleviate that financial problem, right? Because 
I mean, always go to the root of the problem if you want to solve something. Right? And th that those are the six. The last one for the questionnaire is avoidance coping. So three questions that tries to understand how, whether or not you avoid the problem, basically. Right? So these are the seven segments in the proactive coping inventory, the PCI. And it's the first one I found and it's really, you know, it's 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 a good start, I suppose. But then obviously there are 55 questions. I have limited time. I'm not going to make, probably not going to make my participants do them all. So my question for this PCI is whether or not I can just take the questions, use the questions that I feel I need and leave out the rest. I'm not sure if I need to use all 55 questions for the results to be valid, conclusive. So I'm going to have to discuss that with my supervisor. Although I have found um, other journals who have used this PCI but not used all 55 questions. So I, I, I need to discuss that with my supervisor. I've never used one of these before so I don't really know what to look out for really. It's a lot of math. Like if you read the journals and that try to test the effectiveness of these questionnaires, you find that there are a lot right? there's like standard deviation, there's you know, that I don't know even how to explain it. It's so complicated. I I thought I thought I bid farewell to math three years ago, but turns out no, it's back. Okay, so that was the first measure I found. I found another six, which I mean have potential, I suppose. A lot of them are similar. I don't really, really, really know what the differences are. But then there's there's one that I'm also particularly interested in. It's called the General Help Seeking Questionnaire. So it it includes not only questions about formal or professional help, it also includes questions about informal, non-professional help, such as seeking help from your friends or family who are not professionals. And there are also, there's also one question that asks if you would seek help from no one or others. In that case, please spe specify who the others are. So, I mean, some people would, would, would say maybe a religious person, maybe in their church or maybe, I don't know, someone online. I, I have no idea. So there's the others field, which I, I find to be helpful, I suppose. So that's the general help-seeking questionnaire. And, but then the thing is, I find it really hard to find the actual copy of the question, right? I, I, I see the different questions here and there in different journals, but not really in one consolidated sheet. So I'm going to have to go try and find it. I'm sincerely hoping I don't have to pay for it. I don't want to spend any money on this research other than food of course and then there are also if you're if you're interested let me just read out to you i don't want to go too deep into each of the measurements i don't bore you but if you're interested there is the uh, intentions to seek counseling inventory with about 17 questions there is also the mental help seeking in intention scale there is also the attitudes towards seeking professional help scale there is also the thoughts about psychotherapy survey, as well as the last one which I found was Cohen's willingness to seek help. Now, there's in one journal I read the problem about this one is that it, the quest, the way the, the questions are phrased, it's actually testing. I mean, the argument is that it's actually testing the participants' attitude towards help-seeking and not necessarily their intentions and there seems to be a distinction between the two. For example, if I asked if I were if I were John who broke his leg would I seek help? I mean that the argument is that that question the way it's phrased seems to be asking more about the attitude rather than the intention as opposed to a question that goes if I broke my leg I would seek help. That apparently is more of testing the person's intention. And obviously, what I want to do is to test their intentions and not merely their attitudes, right? So 
that's what I found in terms of measuring help-seeking behavior. Sorry I took 15 minutes to talk about that. I didn't know it would take so long. But I, I hope you learned something, because I did. And something very interesting I read also along the lines of help-seeking. There was this journal. I will put the reference in the description. There's this journal talking about workplace abuse and verbal, verbal abuse and its effect on the employee's help-seeking behavior. And I mean, you would think, I mean, one would assume it would be a negative, a negative impact, right? On help-seeking behavior. But turns out there is also, I mean, there is also a, a positive aspect according to this journal. Uh, not So basically, if, for instance, I have five colleagues that I'm working with, so the six of us, right? And we are, we are kind of abused or kind of at the, at the I mean at the mercy of a, the same supervisor so the six of us are in the same boat right so then apparently we feel some sort of like camaraderie some sort of sense of like being uh, uh, and the, uh, together in the same team so then there's that effect of wanting to confide in one another and in that sense, help seeking in, in, in seeking solace from one another or seeking advice from one another. So apparently there's this like positive effect to it, which strikes to me like interesting, but also and then at the end of the journal, the person caveats that this is not an excuse to tolerate such abuse behavior, which I'm glad that they mentioned at the end because the direction the journal was going was like, oh, it's okay to abuse your employees, right? So I'm so glad he put the you know, the declaration at the end. But then, you, you know, it got me thinking, is every piece of research to, to, to society? Is it, you know, is it a good thing to have? Is every research good? You know, is there ever... I'm not saying that this particular research is bad, but just hypothetically, I'm wondering if there is research that actually makes the world a worse place instead of a better place. Let me know if you've come across such research and you think that, you know, it's complete trash. I mean, it's logically sound. It's reasonable. It's been tested, right? You know, they followed all the steps when it comes to research. But the conclusion just doesn't seem to better society. Let me know if you've come across such uh, research. Like, you just can't see how this research will help people or the world, right? I would love to read one of those. Anyway, yeah, so that's what struck out to me. In terms of literature review, I also read about forum theater. So last the last episode, I talked about theater of the oppressed, right? Gustav Boel's kind of method for, for, for uh, in the case of my research, for kind of breaking the participant free from their own body and, and getting them more comfortable in the the. the the limbs and the body that they have in order to kind of enhance their creativity and kind of going back to their youthful, innocent, childlike self. Yeah, so that's the theater of the oppressed. You use a lot of movement exercises, right? But then in the same book, this book is called Games for Non-Actors and Actors by Augusto Boel. So it talks about theater of the oppressed, but it also furthers on to talk about forum theater. F-O-R-U-M, Forum Theatre, right? So it, you need, it's not a solo endeavour, you need a group of people, right? And and basically this, you come together to try to solve a, a problem, any problem, right, that you have in your community. It could be gender discrimination, it could be bullying, it could be domestic abuse, you know, whatever it is. So... There are a few steps. I mean, he outlines a few steps to making forum theater. I think 10 steps. Yeah, so I mean, as I, I would like to share, share it with you step by step. Let me know in the comments if this is boring you. Like, honestly, I'm not even doing it for you. Like, I don't even care. But yeah, just let me know if it's boring you. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I, I, I... Because I need to do this same thing when I try to explain 
my work to my supervisor and 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 you know the participants I'm recruiting so I don't want to sound too boring right and I need to sound like I know what I'm talking about so people you know will join me and you know can I just veer off a bit I just, I just want to one thing struck my mind just I used to think research was just a one person like journey or adventure you just sit in the library read as many books and kind of come up with you know a thesis or a paper but that's not that's definitely not true especially when it comes to theater right and which brings me back to again why I absolutely love okay I wouldn't say love but prefer theater studies because it, you are kind of forced to work with people right and I think it's the working with people that makes your research more informed in that sense because you're more you're on the ground as opposed to just staying in the bubble of of academic ac- academics just reading papers from like you know uh, papers from the latest statistic i found for mental health in the youth in singapore the earliest i can find with actually like information i can use is from was from 2017 that is 5 years ago okay i am having trouble finding statistics that you know i'm not even asking for much 2020 2021 maybe right i'm i can't it's hard maybe one or two but that's not sufficient right so here's the problem i think working with people in your research helps you you know with the with getting a more up to date sense of what is going on actually in the real world as opposed to just being cooped up in your room having these imagined scenarios that are merely informed by papers that other people have written in other jurisdictions a long time ago and i just think working with people will allow you to kind of update update what already has been written and 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 allow your own work to be more relevant to the issues of the day so research is not a solo endeavor i think you should talk to as many people as you like even if they may be very annoying just the other day i was with a bunch of friends and when i say annoying i mean like annoying in the sense that what they say makes sense and it's annoying for me because why didn't i think of that right and now i have to relook at what i've been doing and and get, kind of readjust you know my my plans sorry that was my phone so i was yeah i was just talking to them and so there are a bunch of they're amazing right they're they're amazing the bunch of like they're older than me they're they're working age uh, i i'm 22 if you're wondering i'm a student so they're like working people right they have experience they have yeah they, they have knowledge it's good to talk to them so i was telling them about my research and i told them my target audience was was youths right people who are 15 to 35 according to the national youth council for the definition of of a youth right so i told them i was targeting the 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 young younger folks and i told them i i only be working with 10 people right over 3 weeks and so and then they came at me right like <laughs> they came at me very i would say very passionately or violently depending how you look at it they say you should be you know you should be targeting people our age right because we are the ones with uh, the problems and 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 i mean they didn't phrase it like that I, they they said something else but i don't quite remember but i remember that was the gist of what they were saying and it just struck me like i mean they're not wrong right they they do have problems but then people of that age group have very distinct problems that people my age may not necessarily have or what i'm saying is different age groups experience different sorts of struggles right and in order for my for my method applied theater to be to for me to be able to test it conclusively i cannot be working with people of very different problem types right because i need to be able to know that or rather i know that 
some problems uh, require very special solutions or rather different problems require different solutions so i mean if i, I mean i believe if you're in a precarious situation like you're a victim of domestic abuse or bullying these are problems that you know require immediate attention but what my research is trying to do is to provide a tool that people in their day-to-day -day lives not suffering not experiencing devastating problems but rather just minute details of everyday life such as like being stressed out by assignments or not being able to type out a sentence because of that writer's block just these little things that kind of cumulatively affect your self-esteem and your sense of achievement and satisfaction with yourself right i mean, what my method is trying to do is to block I, i suppose the accumulation of these bad moments these bad days into and preventing some sort of like onset of a mental illness or mental disorder so being able to cope with the day-to-day -day stresses that are you need know, that are small but if you don't cope with them immediately and effectively they kind of snowball into something big and then one day it's just going to explode and i don't want that right so what i'm trying to do is to indeed this the relatively smaller struggles of life so back to my point if if you are suffering if you're experiencing a very bad problem obviously i'm not gonna have you sit down and <laughs> write a play right you don't have time for that you need immediate help and that goes back to my point my research what i'm trying to test i'm not trying to solve all of the world's mental health problems right there are some things that it can solve some things that it cannot so i think as a researcher it's good to be aware and and i suppose be humble enough to just work with what what you have and work with what you can and and kind of be focused on what you want to achieve and being realistic about it right so i'm not trying to solve all of the world's mental health problems with this research i i mean i'm not and i obviously can't so that's you know my thought and and i and the same group of friends right i told them i was going to work with 10 people over three weeks and yeah sure i mean 10 was always like is it enough but at the same time it's just it's a lot of data okay i i've mentioned this before i'm working with them 6 hours per person <clears throat> that is 6 times 10 that's 60 hours of 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 data i have to uh kind of analyze right and on top of that i'll be interviewing them so that's a lot of data analyze and this is a 15 mc mod i'm not doing like my phd thesis so i think i need to like kind of it remind myself that it's not too little and it's my supervisor told me it was too little like she seems to be okay with the number anyway yeah she told me she told me that a, a good group size for applied theater was 9 to 12 That's why yeah okay and I remember now that's why I'm doing 10. It's not because I'm lazy, okay? And I mean 10 is a lot. Okay, I'm just like struggling with the idea. So so that's what it is. So my point why did I come to the story? Ah, right. Just so my point was talking to people, friends, family, professionals whoever about your research can help you I suppose get a clearer idea of what you're actually doing and be able to these are avenues for you to be able to articulate what you are trying to do right and as you try to articulate yourselves just talk to yourself finding the right words putting it in sentences all of these helps in in helping you gain better clarity of your own work and i suppose helping you see the gaps and the loopholes and and prepare for possible you know arguments against your research uh, i suppose yeah So th th you know that was my my thought. Again, I don't have a script. I'm just I'm I'm talking off the cuff. So it, if my thoughts go everywhere, I am so sorry. I just hope it's interesting for you. This is literally what happens in my brain 24/7, okay? Even when I'm sleeping. Like last night I had a dream about somebody I was trying to sell my research to an, an investor 
like a super rich investor and she was just having all these questions about my research and I was just very stressed out. So, oh my goodness, when we, when your awake life kind of crosses the boundary into your dreams, that's when you know you're either doing something good or you're either doing something bad. I'm not sure which. I will let you know when I know. Alright, so okay, I was talking about forum theatre. There are a few steps. You hit 10 steps. So the first step is choosing the subject, right? Um, so choosing the subject matter as in what you want to work, what kind of situation or problem your group wants to work on. So there'll be a group of four to six people. Each person is supposed to think of an oppressive situation that is either happening to them or, you know, they know of. Anything that affects or interests them, right? And so each person, as you think about that, for instance, I'm thinking about online bullying, right? That That is my, the oppressive situation I'm thinking about. So what I'm supposed to do is to think of a few images, images being physical gestures, right, that I can use to reenact that situation. So for instance, if my situation is is online bullying, I I could sit on the chair and pretend to be typing and, and pretend to be crying at the same time or something like that. Right? That and so you, you come up with images. So it's kinda of like what what is that game called? Charades? Yeah. To kind of convey what you are trying to say. But then the crux of this is really using your body and as opposed to merely your words, using your body to kind of convey what you are thinking of. And it's not easy, really. It requires active imagination and creativity. And I suppose the body is a language as well. Right, so being able to choose the right gestures that will allow you to convey your message across as clearly as possible. So, you know, a simple gesture it could be the thumbs up, right? You look at a thumbs up, you know exactly what it means. It means, you know, good job, well done, this person is, is praising you or complimenting you, right? This is a gesture that most of us are familiar with. This is a language, right? Or I could be, what what, what are the gestures that are there? Or the, there's the middle finger, obviously, to you know showcase your, I suppose your unhappiness with someone or your anger, whatever. There are other gestures, right? And you could do a bunny rabbit, right? Put the two peace sign on your head as the ears, and then kind of like start hopping, you know, kind of conveying that you are a rabbit or some sort of hopping animal, right? These are gestures that most people are familiar with. So. You know, when they say that 60%, is it 60%? 60% of communication happens with your body language. It's true. It's true, right? When you're, uh, it's what they say, when you're talking to someone, your toes are facing, not facing them. It means like you, you're not interested. I don't know how true that is, but, you know, the point is your body matters, right? What you do with it matters. You need to be aware of the the, the message you're sending, right? With your body. Okay? Choosing the subject. So every player thinks of images to kind of convey their oppressive situation and, and each player kind of showcases that to the rest of the group, right? And as we're doing that, we, we're supposed to reflect, right, as a group. So as I'm doing my gestures, what do the rest of the people think I'm doing? What do they think my intention is? What did I want to say about the situation? And everybody kind of discusses their interpretation of the same uh, image, the same gesture, right? So, and as you discuss, preferably, he is taking notes of what is being discussed because whatever is being discussed can be material for the, 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 the script that the group will be writing, right, about the situation. So, ideally, someone is there writing down notes so you don't forget. Right and and the end of this segment, the group needs to come together and decide which situation they want to work on together. So everybody is supposed to be agreeable to this, something that interests everybody. That everybody wants to do. So we decide on one one image, basically one situation, and 
and yeah, we'll work on that for the rest of the steps, right? So that is step one, choosing the subject. And so step two is the other's associations. So, right, so this group, so th this, this whole workshop has different groups, right? And each group has, as I've mentioned before, four to, four to six people. So each group would showcase the chosen image to the rest of the groups. And again, a, a, a discussion ensues, right? And obviously someone's there to write down notes again. So it's basically the same questions as previously, but now with the rest of the workshop. And so you, you see how we're gathering different material, different interpretations of the same situation, right? Because I mean, that's what it is, right? Um, the same situation hits differently for everybody. So, you know, a divorce, maybe. Some some people feel liberated after a divorce. They feel like it's a good thing after a divorce. But other people find that, you know, life just got worse, right? I, I, you know, I have to care of the kids by myself. My person's not giving me allowance or whatever, right? So so the same situation hits differently for different people. And they're, it's not black or white, right? It's very hard to say that... A situation is bad or good which again I don't know if I mentioned this the last episode what is oppression what is an oppressive situation right this this I mean this particular anecdote again strikes me in one of the readings it says my husband someone was reported to have said quote my husband only hits me when it is necessary unquote now it struck me because so obviously for me this is oppression but for her you know I, I assume it's not and you know there's this thing like then who am I to say that she's being oppressed right who am I to stick poke my nose into her affairs and be like okay we need to get you out of this situation this is not good for you but if, if she doesn't feel like it's oppression then you know what would be the point of me right and I, I, you know, I don't know. I still do believe it's oppression. It's just that she, you know, she was raised in a culture, perhaps that that sort of abuse is the norm, quote unquote, the norm. It's, it's just what it is. It's n nothing to be unhappy about because everybody experiences it, right? So, I mean, that is her world. That is her experience. And I am here with my own world, my own experience, kind of like, judging her world and I sort of feel bad about it but at the same time I feel bad that she has to live in that world right and and I want to help her but then I don't want to I don't want it to seem like you know I'm just doing it just to make myself feel better but maybe we're just doing it to make ourselves feel better so I don't know do we just do things to make ourselves feel better do do we love for instance if we love somebody do we actually do it for them or for ourselves I don't know I don't know how I got here anyway so that's step two, right? The others' associations, the group sharing the image with the rest of the workshop. So step three, you have the image series or story. So basically, the group using the initial image, now you have to together figure out another four to five images, either coming before that original image or after the original image or both. So basically create a series of images to kind of tell a story. So a guiding question could be, what happened before the image? So going back to my example of me sitting down, typing on the computer and crying, I could come up with another image for what happened before that scene, right? It could be me maybe plugging in my lap laptop into the charger or, or opening opening the laptop screen, you know? Uh, different, uh, so basically a series of images to kind of convey the, the situation with more uh, I suppose description or clarity right that is number three and then step four you have the slow motion silent movie so these images are put together you transition in slow motion and as you transition from one image to another image there is time in between to kind of have emotion the actors emotions as well as actions to the transition to become visible so as you do this as a group moving from one image to another it could be very 
it could be distressing, it could be uncomfortable, and it's these emotions that kind of come out as you do this, and then you kind of wonder why you ex- you feel that way, right? And then that again is a Kickstarter to more conversations. So you can see a trend here. It's a lot of discussion. It's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of sharing with one another what you feel and what you think about the same image, the same situation, and really gathering and consolidating the different perspectives that can that that exists about the same thing. And you will find that it's actually very. It 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 can be very humbling. I suppose, to know that your situation, your perspective is not the best, it's not the most accurate, it's not the one and only one. And having, for lack of better phrasing, put in your place for having thought that, you know, you were suffering the most or whatever. You know, and and, and also having, as you do this, building that rapport and that trust within the group and I suppose you, you get to make friends along the way being able to share your own perspective and and hopefully the rest of the group are listening actively to, to when you're sharing right so I mean you 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 do to others what you want them to do to you if you want people to to, to listen actively to your story without judging then you don't do the same then you don't judge their stories right it's a give and take thing so that's what it means to work in a group. So that's step four. Step five is the stop and think, the inner monologue. So as the series of images are being put together, someone someone in the group can shout stop or think, right? And the actors that are playing the images, you know, are supposed to stop what they're doing and kind of, while still in their character, articulate that character's inner monologue. What is going on in their head? Why is, for instance, why is the bully bullying? What is this bully hoping to get out of bullying this other person? Or it could be if you're playing the person being bullied, Why Why am I in this situation? Am I going to get out of it? Do I want to get out of it? Am I... What emotions am I feeling? How did I even get here in the first place? And, you, you know, questions. So you're supposed to articulate your character's thought process, what is happening in their mind, right? So it's really a lot about taking the other person's perspective. And... I don't know, yeah... I... I do acting sometimes on the side and there are certain characters that we play that are vastly different from what my own beliefs are so i'm i I was raised in a christian family right and i always think to myself hypothetically if i were given this role to play a, a, a person who is maybe muslim or a buddhist right would i be able to do it which or should i do it right and it I mean, this is acting, right? Taking on another person's perspective. And I mean, the research is one, right? Researching into this other religion, speaking to people about their own experiences. That is one thing. But what would... I always think about what would be the value of taking on that other perspective that is so contradictory to my own. Right in in many ways, and I think to myself, and conclusion I always arrive at is: as you take on the perspective of somebody who is against your own beliefs, who has beliefs that are against your own, it again helps you articulate why you have your own beliefs, why, in spite of all these other perspectives. You choose to have your own belief. There must be a reason why I believe that... Uh, well, I believe that, for instance, abortion is, is is a woman's right to have, right? It's their body, their choice. Right? But obviously not everyone thinks this way. And and as I, I listen to their stories, I kind of get a better idea of why I think why I think. 
right? And I, I think it's very empowering and very reassuring for me to... In, in that sense, get to know myself a little bit better. Why I think this way, where I'm coming from, how my own experiences lay the foundation for my own beliefs, right? And... And just knowing that despite all these arguments against my own beliefs, that I'm still so strong-willed about them, that I'm still, I still hold these beliefs, just make them seem more stronger and resilient and it's like unbreakable, right? And that makes me so happy because yeah, yeah, you can't get to me, right? My, my beliefs are strong and, and, and rooted to the, to, the, to the ground. So you can't get to me. So there's that reassuring sense of it. Then obviously, and then he's like actors who play serial killers or murderers. Imagine what that does, you know? Being in that person's shoes for a sustained period of time and, and having, to, you're forced to kind of empathize with the character you're playing because you need to be able to play them well, right? And, and in that process of empathizing, somehow you are kind of help. You need to be able to justify why you want to kill this person, or or justify all these bad things you're doing. And and I, I just hope to the hope to God that it doesn't get to your the re, the actor. It doesn't get to the actor. Like it stops at the character and it doesn't get to the actor. But very often that's not the case, right? As we know, there are different anecdotes that I can give of of actors being you know kind of wrecked by their characters you know their whole life is wrecked. so there's that and going back to my forum i'm so sorry it's like 50 minutes now okay so going back to my forum theater we were at step five stop and think in a monologue so one person stops the action and then these people are supposed to like articulate their inner monologues right so then step six you have the text right so as these people articulate their characters in a monologues you basically are gathering arguments for each character why do they do what they do where they're coming from and so the group has to find three to five sentences per character to kind of find what this character is about right and what is crucial what is the essence of the, this character's role this this character right and so step seven everybody plays every part once so you take turns, everybody plays the bully, everybody plays the buzzing bullied and whatever other characters there are, everybody plays them. So we kind of get a taste of what it means to uh, stand in different, look at things in different perspectives, in multiple perspectives, so several times, right? And I, I suppose it can be quite insightful for yourself. So that's step seven. And step eight would be an ABC of rehearsal techniques, which is basically a bunch of 15 techniques for movement and, and, and devising, which I obviously will not go at length about. So it's basically just helping you create material, right, for the play. And then nine is to look at the dramaturgy. And then 10 would be to... So foreign theater is a lot about the audience, right? A spectator. So if you look at the word spectator, what they try to do is they divide spectator into two parts, spec and actor. Spec actor. So you're not just sitting there watching a play, the audience is required to participate in it. Or rather, encouraged to participate in it. So the spectator then doubles as an actor, being having the agency to contribute to the discussion for themselves and for the rest of the group. And... And I, I, I don't know, it can be, you tell me, right? I always have problems when I, when I watch a show, a movie, and I have no one to talk to about it because I have all, all these thoughts in my mind, all these things to say. And, you know, it's, it's so much more than entertainment, okay? Movies, are, it should be more than entertainment. It should help you clarify your own doubts it should help you expand your knowledge it should help you come up with solutions for your own problems you know there are all these ways that movies can help and i think that if we just take a little more control as an audience member as a spectator take a lot more agency ask questions 
find out stuff even after the movie has finished or after the play has finished. Find out, uh, just research, just educate yourself, right? And then be of value to the people around you, having all that knowledge and experience. And I think that is what we can do as consumers, right? And then you have Netflix putting out these series every now and then. I sincerely hope you are not just consuming it passively. You are talking to people about it. What you would you agree? What what is being represented on screen? What do you agree with about it? What do you not? agree about what you like about it why 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 do you like it right all the questions and questions are good right it's not good when i don't get the answers so i mean that that's basically it so i guess you should be able to tell by now what forum theater is trying to do right it's trying to shake up things it's trying to better society help us be better people and That's that's theater, right? It's not just plays on stage. It's supposed to it's supposed to imitate life, right? And it's also supposed to alter, change lives. So that's that's what I'm hoping to do. That's what my research hopes to contribute to. And I sincerely hope listening to you, if you've made it this far, listening to me has you know taught you a thing or two, or you know helped you think about some things. And uh, yeah, if there are things you want to find out more about, you, you can, I suppose, text me or you can look at my references. You just hit me up or just Google, you know, Google's right there. Google will help you. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, time to go for a jog, I think. Yeah. It's been really rainy recently. I'm loving the weather, but it doesn't help if I need to go and jog. So I will do that now. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and hopefully... I'll still be alive to talk to you next week. Thank you.